Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 60th episode of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the great American singer-songwriter and actor Chris Christopherson. This took place in 1995 when he was playing a concert at the Mean Fiddler venue in London prior to releasing an album entitled A Moment of Forever. Right, Chris Christopherson, the new look for you. What's what's behind all that? Oh, this is... I had to shave my beard for... Uh, uh, I'm playing a bad guy in uh, a John Sayles film in a couple of weeks. And uh, I have to be a sheriff down in Texas in 58. So uh, I shaved my face and then I decided I'd grow a Mexican mustache because he's down there on the border. Does it feel a bit strange and drafty to you? Well, it's not as bad as without the mustache. But it's, it's, it's always felt weird to me ever since I've had a beard to go shave because people don't uh, feel any, any uh, reason not to come up and tell me how bad they think I look without a beard. I've had women just come up and say, grow it back. You know? <laughs> I'm surprised people recognize you at all, really. Yeah, well, I kind of like, like it. I like the, it's sort of low maintenance and, uh, and uh, I think I can look like a real bad guy. Not such good news for your merchandise people, I wouldn't have thought, with all the old image on it. Well, I don't think we have that much of a merchandise <laughs> empire, you know, that, that's going to threaten anything. I, I certainly haven't had my, my likeness <laughs> all over the world. What's the tour situation? You're doing a European tour here. Is this becoming an annual event because you were here a year ago? Well, I'd, I'd come here all the time if I uh, could because the every time we play... Uh, the houses are good and the audiences are good. And for whatever reasons, we have be- better audiences over here. Than, than you seem to have a special feeling for England, though. Yeah, well, I, it, it, uh, it probably, you know, in my heritage or something. I love Ireland, you know, uh, but I love Austria as well. Though for some reason, the people there uh, like the same kind of music I do. People like John Prine and uh, Nancy Griffith and stuff like that. So you're big in Vienna, are you? Well, actually, we sell out in Vienna mm. and uh, in the opera house there. And uh, When you come to England, do you sort of go back to Oxford and visit your old haunts over there? I just go where we, you know, we're working. I, they've got me working every day, this one. Uh, we went to Oxford once, and it was cool. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Wherever you go in the world, what songs are your favorites with the audience do you find you know the show the show today seems to the old songs and the, new, and the new songs seem to be pretty evenly balanced as far as the reception goes i i uh i think it's a, a bit, the best mix that we've had of old and new stuff when i've been going out but the but the feeling always seems to be at the end of the night everybody's spirits lifted because they like the songs you know, how do we you, haven't got a big band. <laughs> how do you explain this tremendous gift you have for entertaining and songwriting? How do you explain it? Well, I, I don't try to explain it. I, uh, I started writing songs when I was just a kid. I wrote my first one when I was 11, you know, and it was the first. It was, I never thought that I could make a living at it until, uh, until I decided I'd, I would try to make a living at it to be to be a songwriter and committed myself 
I still never thought I'd make any money at it and was rewarded beyond my wildest dreams. You're one of the most covered artists in the world. Which are the favorite cover versions that other people have done of your songs? I love so many of them. The obvious ones like Janice doing Bobby McGee, Jerry Lee Lewis doing anything, but once more with feeling was was the first time I ever heard an artist transform a song and make it better than it was, you know, make it. I love Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. What are your memories of Janis Joplin? She was a lot of fun. She was uh, uh, kind of sad, mainly her sense of humor. She was, she was uh, straight. She wasn't doing drugs. When uh, Bobby North and I were staying at her place for about a month, and uh, she was working out with her band at the time for, for that full tilt boogie. And uh, we got to know all those guys. I never did hear her sing Bobby McGee until after she was dead. Paul Rothschild played it for me. He was the producer. Elvis Presley was very keen on your material. Did you ever get to meet him? No. No, it's funny. We were just talking about that the other day. I, uh, Billy Swan did. And, uh, and I, I really regret that that I didn't make an effort. What's happening with you on the recording front at the moment? I just did a record with, with Don Was uh, producing, which is probably the best thing I've ever done. It's, it's got about 14 sides on it, 12 new ones. And uh, he also produced the Highwaymen album that's coming out, that will come out before mine does. And uh, it's a great album. It's really good. It's been said that you've lost recording contracts because you're too political and things, and here you are wearing a political T-shirt. How, what, how do you react to that? Do you think that's a fair comment? Uh, I have no idea what uh, you know, my political stances have cost me. Uh, I'm sure that uh, record companies would probably prefer that I'd be less controversial or... I don't know. I, I feel that I, I have a very good life and a, and a very good position by being able to make my own living, you know, by my wits and with the people I love and, and a pretty good living at it. Now you've always said it's important to fight for what you believe. Do you think, yeah. in retrospect, you might just have gone a bit too far over the years in being outspoken about what you believe in? Absolutely not. When you think about the things that I got in trouble for, I got in trouble for singing for the Sandinistas. The Sandinista revolution was a righteous revolution that was undermined by the United States. We sent mercenaries in there to kill civilians. They talked about, about I remember Oliver North talking about human lives being at stake. There was human lives. Every, the targets were schools, health facilities and agricultural co-ops down here. Then we uh, economically squeezed them to death, had an embargo on them like we're doing with Cuba. Which is, I mean, uh, every time that I've complained about something like that, I'm sure that I've made some enemies, you know. I had a woman come up to me one time and said, I hear you're a friend of Fidel Castro's. Well, I've never met Fidel Castro, but I'll tell you what, I respect what he's done for Cuba. Are you a frustrated politician? Absolutely not. I have no eyes at all to get in politics, and the best thing I can do is write songs. I, I think the songs are a terrific weapon. If you write 
something that that's popular, you know, that strikes a chord with other people, you become part of their life. And every time they hear that tune, after that, they'll get that emotion that you gave them. And if it's something that you believe in, I think, I think you know, that I think a songwriter's lucky in that respect. He's not like a sculptor or a painter or whatever. You may say you've been lucky in your career, but you've been fairly unlucky in your personal life. Do you think that's a sort of no, balance? Absolutely not. I have been married now for 12 years. I have eight children, five young ones, to live with me, and, and we make each other laugh. I have the best life that I, I ever uh, could have dreamed. But you've also had two broken marriages. To what yeah. do you attribute that? Was that the show business? Probably. The, uh, the first one was because music took me out of uh, the way of life that everybody knew into a, um, a place that was very uncomfortable for them. It was okay for me to be starving and, and, and doing something that I loved to do, but it was hard on my wife and my kid, and, and the marriage eventually broke apart, but we're still very close and still love each other. And the second one, I was married to Rita Coolidge, and we were on the road together constantly for almost 10 years. Do you think, in retrospect, it was not a good idea to work together? Well, I don't think there was any other way. I think I think that's kind of like why we we stayed together as long as we did, you know, because we could be with it. It's hard to have a relationship and be on the road all the time, and have a relationship with someone who isn't on the road with you. So, but at the same time, when you're in the spotlight the whole time, sometimes you begin to squirm, I guess. It was said that the final straw with that marriage was the Sarah Miles business, all the Playboy oh, no. and all that. How do you react to that? No, it wasn't true. That was, that was, I'm sure, very difficult for, for uh, Raider to uh, live with at the time, but that wasn't it. And uh, I think, you know, it just was a thing that ran its course. And, and we're also friends today. It was after that marriage broke up that you really pulled yourself together, which seems amazing, really, because most people would have gone downhill after that, but you really... Well, uh, I, w I floundered around for a while after I, uh, it, I... I was telling somebody a while ago that 1979 was, was a big year for revolutions, and, and uh, that was when my uh, family fell apart. And, and uh, I think what kept me together for a while was was uh, I was a bachelor daddy and I had to to uh, take care of a little girl that was growing up and and uh, had to be responsible I guess but I think for whatever reasons uh, whatever I whatever I went through was aiming me in the right direction because I live in heaven today and I'm surrounded by family that I love and uh, work with people I love. So. so we're just talking about the sort of days of indulgence, as it were. How did, how did you manage to pull yourself out of that? Because that was a heck of an achievement. Well, I really, uh, I, I have no idea other than that I, I met a woman 20 years younger than I was who, uh, who chose to, uh, to see if we could make a future and we started having children. And we had a lot of hard times because being married to somebody who who uh, is an actor or a performer is pretty difficult. And uh, we came through it. 
and the bonus for me has been uh, these these uh, beautiful children, you know, and uh, and a wife who is uh, everything that I could need. How do you feel now about those wasted years, as, you, as you've called them? Well, I don't ever count any of them as wasted years. You know, there was there were some times when I was wasted, but. Uh, but I was doing something all the time. I was I was on the road or making a movie. From the time that I got that I got uh, you know on the roller coaster, I committed myself in 1965 when I quit the army to living the way that I wanted to live. And I finally, after about five years, made en- enough money to to be able to work that way. Only only on my own terms since then. To what extent do you think you're lucky to have survived all the bad times? Well, there's so many. There's so many ways. There's so many ways that you can uh, stumble and fall, you know. And and you've seen so many of the people that you ran with who were just the same as you, and trying to live and burn like a you know a Roman candle and set the spirit of fire. And a lot of them died. And uh, I think I'm not egotistical enough to think that it, that I had any control over my surviving when other people didn't. Uh, like Willie says, you know, fortunately we're not in control. Somebody else is. To what extent do you attribute your recovery also to your current wife, Lisa? Well, I'm really not sure about that yet. I'm not sure that uh, uh, how much of of uh, recovery is done because of somebody else. I think you have to decide yourself. I know my that, that I, like Willie, often will do something more, the more static you give me about it, you know? And so we, we finally uh, found out after years of, of butting heads on things, you know, that that's the way I am. And I'm going to take care of kill my own snakes. How did you meet your present wife? Well, she was going to law school at Pepperdine, and I was, uh, we were working out in a uh, gym there at, <laughs> at one of those Nautilus places or something. And uh, I was talking to her, and she asked me if I want to take a run. And I said, listen, I have a little girl i got to take to school in the morning. I have to make her lunch. i got to pick her up when I... This guy said, my life is too complicated. She said, I just was asking you if you want to go for a run. I didn't want to change your life. Well, we changed each other's lives. We built a house out in Maui. Did she know who you were? Was she a fan? No, she didn't know. She didn't know who I was. I, 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 I gave her a bunch of my albums one time when she was driving home to Morro Bay, and, and she was quite blown away by the songs. When and where were you married? Uh, hmm? When and where were you? We were married uh, uh, at Pepperdine um, in California back, what, 12 years ago, last February 19th, and uh, had five kids along the way, and that's, I think, the end of that. <laughs> but uh, but it's, uh, it's been worth everything we've gone through to get where we are. So you're confident this one can last where others haven't quite worked out? Absolutely. Uh, I've... I finally figured out that I don't need 
to do anything from here on out except show up and do my work. If I can just not mess up, my life is exactly how I wish that I could live the rest of my life. I can write when I want to. I can play with my kids and clear my land. And I can work with people I respect. Do you think it's been difficult for certainly for your elder children to grow up with your name and all that? No, I don't think so. I uh, I think they're uh, they're pretty they're pretty uh, intelligent people. You know, they uh, they both turned out better than, than than I could have dreamed. You know. Now you live in Hawaii, don't you? Why do you live in Hawaii? Well, I've been going out to Maui for about twenty um, years. And, uh, and I like the small town. Uh, it felt like where I grew up down in Brownsville, Texas. It was a small community where everybody knows everybody, and, and it's like a big extended family, mostly local population. But they, all the kids call me uncle and, and uh, my wife, Auntie. And is it good to get out of L.A. and New York for your insanity as much as anything else? Absolutely, absolutely. New York's kind of exciting to be in when you're there. You know, there's a lot of people around fire there. But uh, i got to say, I, uh, there's not much about L.A. that I miss. What kind of life do you lead in Hawaii? It sounds like you're sort of surrounded by children all the time. Well, I am. But I have enough room where I live to get away from it if I have to go right, you know. And, I, and I, I'll sometimes go out for three days at a time, and I'm off limits. Or I'll go out and I'll be clearing the land with a chainsaw, you know, and uh, be gone, be by myself for 12 hours, you know. How much of your life is devoted to your career now? Well, as much as it's been since I, since I started working, started performing, it's, uh, it's, it's a part of my life. And, and uh, I don't think I'll ever stop doing it until, unless... You know, somebody decided to stop hiring me. You know, because because uh, Christ Picasso was painting pictures when he was 90s. You know, uh, I got no no reason. What about your movie career? Have you got any movies lined up at all? Yeah, that's why I'm uh, shaving my beard off there. I'm uh, playing with. Uh, well, I just did this Lincoln uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, thing for the Family Channel back. Were you playing Lincoln? Yeah. And it was really good. It was well-received and uh, a good script. It was called Tad. Did you duck in the theater? Hmm? Did you learn to duck no, in the they theater? No, they, they, cut a, they just, just showed me leaving for the theater. But it was, it was a very surprising. They had a good makeup guy. They, I'd sit in there for about two and a half hours, and I swear I'd come out looking like Lincoln. But the next film is 180 degrees away. I'm playing this guy who kills... How often do you reflect on the old days as a really, really hot movie star? Not as much as I used to. I guess because I got so many distractions right now. You know, I got, I got albums coming out, and I, I got, I got this little. I've never been so close to a little uh, baby growing up for so long at this stage in life, and it's, it's wonderful. I, most of my life is spent uh, right in the moment, right now, in the day. If I may, though, go back to the, to the movies, which is your favorite of all the movies you've made and why? There are a couple that I like. I like Trouble in Mind. I like Heaven's Gate. I think if I picked one, it would be uh, Star is Born because the character was so three-dimensional. It was, uh, you know, a first-class film. That... What was it like working with Streisand? 
it was a challenge. Fortunately, she believed believed in me more than I did. I was uh, angry and insecure a lot of the times, but but we made a good film out of it. And I really, when I saw the first the first uh, cut of it, I realized uh, it was really her vision. The whole thing was mm-hmm. what a good job she had done. You're not in touch with her anymore. No, I haven't been. Uh, I, uh, Did you fall out? I'd like to be. No. No, uh, I, I, I never was part of the social uh, life of, of Southern California, and I'm either working on the road or I'm playing with my kids. But uh, I certainly admire her, what she's doing. I like Streisand. You're one of the one of the few singers who's really made it as an actor as well. Yeah. I mean, that was quite an achievement yeah. in itself, wasn't it? We should do another one. We should do a love story, a mature love story there. Mm-hmm. No, but it is. It's. Uh, it was. Uh, Why do you think you made a dual career out of it when others fail so often? I think it's probably because of whatever talent I have as a writer. I think it moves my imagination to where I can express myself and where it's, where it's in a, uh, in intelligent enough to figure out what works and what doesn't. If you could start again, knowing what you do now, would you still combine the two careers? Absolutely. I hope that I continue to have the uh, opportunity to work with people that have talent. Like a, this thing with John Sales, I'm looking to, uh, forward to a lot because I like his work. It was often said that Heaven's Gate was the kiss of death to your movie career. Well, what do you say to that? Do you agree with that? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I'd say, uh, I'd say it, that, that, that ship took a lot of people down with it. But uh, it wasn't Heaven's Gate's fault. It was the money people. It was the people who assassinated it. And uh, uh, that was unfortunate. But I certainly am glad I had the opportunity to play in that, in that film and to work with Chimino and Vilmos Zygmunt and uh, make something that, where they were trying to make a piece of art. And I haven't been able to do that a whole lot since then. So I am... I'm very grateful when something like the Tad Project comes along or this thing with John Sayles. Is it tough to have to follow that reputation for yourself? You know, those, that big movie star image and everything? Nah. I mean, who cares? You know, if, if people think you're a star, then I guess you're a star. And if they don't think you're a star, then it doesn't matter. Because uh, uh, my life has never, never been that oriented to, the, to that part of showbiz. It's like... It's like uh, I don't have a fan club anymore, and and I just uh, focus more on my work. You know? Do you not hanker for those old days, though, when you were a complete heartthrob? I don't hanker for anything other than I'm than my life right now, because uh, it is really sweet, and uh, I don't regret anything from the from the past because whatever it was, it got me to here and. It's so good, it makes me uneasy. Like, I walked into this place tonight when we were doing the sound check, and I says, I don't like it, boys. It's too perfect. You know, it's just uh, like a little performing in a church, and it's sold out. And uh, You sound like you're waiting for something horrible to happen to you. Well, it's funny. I said to, to Vinny, I said, uh, I don't like it. I've got this sense of well-being on the way to the show, and I don't, I'm not used to that. 
and I and I never got a bad feeling all the way up to the show, and then it was a, sh a good show. I thought I'll probably go out there and somebody will throw tomatoes at me or something, but it was uh, it was just. I guess after a while, if you survive, you finally get good at whatever it is you're doing, and so you don't have to worry about doing it in front of people. It seems that you're more happy and comfortable with yourself than at any other previous stage of your life. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I've never thought of myself as happy, you know, and uh, and I got to describe myself as that now. Do you think career-wise, you've been given the credit that you deserve? God Almighty, I've been given more credit probably than I deserve. I uh, I got I just got a Roger Miller Award, which is the first one for as for songwriters, you know, breaking boundaries or something. God, I can remember when when I first went to Nashville when Roger had just exploded on the whole scene there, and I, and I I just wanted to be to be a credit to the songwriters there you know I and and to to earn respect for for country music because uh, like my mother people like that <laughs> thought that it was country music was something for for people under the age of 14 or the IQ of a uh, room temperature you know and uh, and it all happened I got the respect which was hard-earned it's hard to respect your janitor as a songwriter, and I was their janitor for a year and a half there. And, and I got to, to work with a lot of good people, like Martin Scorsese and Paul Mazursky and Sam Peckinpah. Bob Dylan, what was he like? Bob Dylan is like, uh, if we had an hour, you know, I couldn't come close to it. But I, to me, Dylan is, is an absolute inspiration. It's been all my life. Is he a nice guy, though? A nice guy? I, w I wouldn't call him a nice guy because I don't know who he is all the time, you know. I think he's a genius. I think he's, he's uh, sometimes he's as innocent, he's like childlike. I think he's a wonderful guy. I mean, I mean, I truly love Bob Dylan. If I'd had him in for Bob Dylan, people like me, people like John Prine, would still be back there going to hootenannies, you know. But country music is experiencing a major revival at the moment. What do you think of the so-called new country and Garth Brooks and so on? Well, I think it's terrific that they have shown that country music can be marketed uh, as it is. There was never a, a number one country guy who was the number one in the, in the pop albums back then, before that. I think the quality people will last and there are some acts that are like Stepford musicians that will probably you know come and go it's just like uh, country music God for a while it was the urban cowboy stuff that 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 you know was a little hard to take but it <laughs> didn't ruin it and then there was uh, now you know, when they invented line dancing, I, I figured it was one of the first signs of the apocalypse. You know, this instant tradition of a bunch of white people up there dancing. But what do you think of Garth Brooks? Come on. What do I think of Garth? I think he's a great entertainer. I have to say that I don't listen to other other people, for better or worse. I felt like uh, my head was so crowded because I'm always writing that I don't listen 
and I, and sometimes I feel bad about that. I wish that I I knew more of his song. I wish I knew more of his skills. I know one of them was great. The one nobody answers when I call your name. That was that was classic. What are the things that inspire you now in your songwriting that perhaps didn't inspire you all those years ago when you started out? I find myself writing the same songs that that I was writing before. The, it's still about freedom. It's still about the heart, and uh, probably always will be. You know, it's. Uh, I think that I've written some of the prettiest love songs on the planet, and I think some of them are on my new album. And that makes me very happy. You know, to think that that the stuff that I'm writing now is as good as as uh, it was. If I may go back to an oldie, though, help me make it through the night. It has to be yeah. one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. What is the story behind that? Did you just write it in ten minutes or something? No, no. I I remember when I was writing it, I was on the top of an oil rig out in the Gulf of Mexico, and and it was one of those little bubble helicopters, and I had a twelve-string guitar, and I was I had written the the verse, the first verse about take the ribbon from your hair, you know. I probably started doing it because I liked Dylan's song so much, I'll Be Your Baby Tonight. Who is it written about? Well, it's written for anybody. At the, uh, it was, it was, it was, for, at the time, I wasn't married, and uh, it was anybody to help you through the night. And actually, the title line to me came from an old thing I remember reading that Frank Sinatra had said one time. He said uh, he'd take a bottle or a broad or anything to help him make him through the night. And that was the last line. Yeah. Do you hope to have more classic hit singles like that and more classic hit films like A Star Is Born? Well, I hope to continue to do work that I'm proud of. I'm proud of the Third World Warrior. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I express those things then that I did because because uh, I think it's important to stand up and be counted uh, I of course hope that I strike a chord like I did with the other songs that because that's what you're trying to do is to move the emotions toward toward uh, wherever you're trying to move them and if it works like that again you know that's uh, that'll be wonderful. So far, it's like tonight. You know, the people, people uh, like both of them. Tell us about your new album. What's it going to be called? It's called Moment of Forever. Or at least it was last I heard about it. Moment of Forever. Yeah. That's the name of one of the new songs, the first one on the album. And uh, it's got 14 sides. Don Was produced it. And uh, uh, 12 of them are new. And uh, I also did Casey and Shipwrecked on it. But it was a great album to do. Don Was is one of the good people in the music business. He's, uh, he, gets a, he gets people around him who are like he is, and like Ben Montanch, and, and uh, I don't know, everybody, he reminds me of a good director like Alan Rudolph. He, everybody's bringing something to the party and gets involved in it, so it was fun. Most artists seem to tour off the back of an album rather than before one, which is what you're doing at the moment. Are you going to come back later in the year? Well, I just want to keep touring. I don't want to lose my chops. And I always like to play over here. Uh, they asked me if I, would, if I wanted to, to play here and in Ireland. I said, God, is that a trick question? Of course. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had the time 
to do it. So uh, I guess uh, we'll be back over here sometime with the highwaymen, I know. What are your non-career ambitions now? To spend as much time, uh, uh, spend as much time with my family as I can. To right now, watching my my little boy grow is very fascinating to me. You know, he's just. I guess I was never around a kid that age, that long, and it's uh, it's. Uh, I miss him very much. <laughs> Finally, how would you like to be remembered one day? Oh, geez, uh, I'll probably be remembered by my songs. And my children, I think uh, they're the best things that I've left behind me here on the planet.